Welcome once again to this weekly podcast. This is the podcast on the week right after Easter. So sometimes this is a difficult time, and during this pandemic it's an especially difficult time because we've now made it through the Holy Week, we've made it through the celebration of Easter, and in whatever way we celebrated, we did the best we could. But now we're starting to settle in for the long haul. But it couldn't be a better setting to talk about what happened in the scripture text when Jesus appeared to the disciples and others shortly after the resurrection. Now that all the beauty of resurrection and the empty tomb is behind them, for the disciples and for all of the people that loved Jesus, it is a time to settle into the reality of where do we go from here. So today we'll hear the post-Easter resurrection stories the stories about when Jesus spoke to people, disciples and others, following his resurrection, and how all of them have a very common theme, and how the disciples carried on to change the world. Let's begin with a call to worship. Scripture stories today come from all four Gospels, and they couldn't be more similar and more different all at the same time when they tell the story of the post-resurrection days. What happened after Jesus rose from the dead? What happened when the tomb was empty and now the disciples and others who loved Jesus are looking for answers? Let's begin with Matthew, the 28th chapter. It's one of the shorter versions. Now, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, the rendition in Mark is especially troublesome because if you look at the most ancient authorities, Mark ends with the simple phrase, and they told no one because they were afraid, referring to the women who had gone to the tomb and seeing the stone rolled away and hearing that Jesus had risen from the dead. The earliest versions of Mark simply say the women were too afraid to tell anyone. There are some newer versions, and we're not sure exactly where they came from, so I'll read one of those. 
This is one of the longer endings for Mark, the 16th chapter. After this, Jesus appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. Now in Luke 24, we get a fleshing out of the story that both Matthew and Mark referred to, two who were walking on a road outside of Jerusalem after the resurrection. It's often called the story of the road to Emmaus. And Jesus appears to them and sits with them and eats with them. And then in that moment, they recognize him as the risen Lord. So they run back in the middle of the night, back to Jerusalem to find the other disciples and to tell them that Jesus has risen from the dead. Now also in this version, Jesus appears to the disciples, but Thomas isn't with them. And so when Thomas comes and hears the news that Jesus has appeared to them in risen form, he doesn't believe it. Unless I can put my hands in the mark of his nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe, says Thomas. Well, later Jesus comes back and again finds the disciples together, and this time Thomas is with them, and asks him to reach out and touch his side. And then Thomas drops to the floor and says, My Lord and my God. And Jesus says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now in John, we get still a longer version. In both chapter 20 and chapter 21, you'll find in John all the things that happened to the disciples after Jesus had risen from the dead. He came back and visited them, and as he came to talk with them, he greets them on the seashore as well. And there he has breakfast with them and brings them to understand that he is the risen Lord. And all the disciples believe him, and they dare not ask that it's him, because they know it's him. They recognize him. And he then goes through a wonderful ritual with Peter. You'll remember that Peter denied Jesus three times when he was on trial. And now Jesus sits by the fire on the beach after they have roasted the fish for breakfast. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And so he said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Through this simple act of proclamation, Peter is often the forgiveness he needs, offered the amazing grace that he needs from Jesus to overcome the denial that he offered three times. Jesus allows him to speak these words of support and love also three times. Our hymn today is an old tune 
set to very new words. Carolyn Winfrey Gillette, just this last month, set these new words to this old tune from The Church's One Foundation. And it couldn't be more appropriate for this After Easter podcast. This Easter celebration is not like ones we've known. We pray in isolation. We sing the hymns alone. We're distant from our neighbors, from worship leaders too. No flowers grace the chancel, no set a festive mood. No gathered choirs are singing, no banners lead our way. O God of love and promise, where's joy this Easter day? With sanctuaries empty, may homes become the place. We ponder resurrection and celebrate your grace. Our joy won't come from worship that's in a crowded room, but from the news of women who saw the empty tomb. Our joy comes from disciples who ran with haste to see, who heard that Christ is risen and then by grace believed. In all the grief and suffering, may we remember well, Christ suffered crucifixion and faced the powers of hell. Each Easter bears the promise, Christ rose that glorious day. Now nothing in creation can keep your love away. We thank you that on Easter your church is blessed to be. A scattered faithful body that's doing ministry in homes and in the places of help and healing too. We live the Easter message by gladly serving you. Each of these post-resurrection stories find our primary characters going in very different directions. We find that the disciples, most of them, have gone into a locked room in Jerusalem because they are afraid, and they're isolated, and they're completely alone, and they're not sure what's going to happen next. And then Jesus comes to them. We find some of the disciples believing immediately and others not believing at all, needing to put their fingers into the wounded side before they will believe. And then Jesus comes and they believe. We find some going back to their regular trades. They're heading back to Emmaus from the events that happened in Jerusalem, which is their home. They're heading back to the seashore, the fishermen, and Jesus comes and everything is changed. So each of these people who have been touched by the resurrection of Jesus, now that that resurrection has happened, 
They're not sure what to do next. And so they begin to settle in for the much longer haul. The glory of the day is over, and now the realism of what's going to happen next begins to take hold. We learn all about people going back to life as it was before. Think about it. The men who are walking to Emmaus are heading out of Jerusalem in the evening, and they're taking the walk back to their homes. When Jesus comes to them, walks beside them, and because they don't really believe in the resurrection, they don't see Jesus as Jesus. They just see him as a stranger. And in all hospitality, they invite him into their homes to have dinner because it's getting late. So this stranger that they do not know is invited in in an act of hospitality to come and break bread with them. And in the breaking of the bread... They are opened, their eyes are opened, their hearts are opened, their minds are opened, and they see Jesus for who he really is. He has shared with them the stories of the resurrection. He has shared with them how the Old Testament scriptures had predicted that the Messiah must rise from the dead. And so they turned to one another and they said, weren't our hearts burning within us as he shared with us the scripture? So in the teaching of the scripture and the breaking, the ritual breaking of the bread, they discover Jesus. These two men who were heading home, expecting to go back to their regular lives, have now been changed. And what happens? They leap up from their table and they run back in the middle of the night to go back and find the disciples and tell them that Jesus has appeared to them in risen form. How about some of the disciples who were fishermen? Where did they go? Well, they went back to their boats. They went back to their nets. When you don't know what else to do, you go back to what seems normal to you. And so as they're fishing a hundred yards or so off the coast in the Sea of Tiberias, or, and all of a sudden, again, a stranger appears on the beach and they don't recognize him. They don't know that it's Jesus. They can't wrap their minds and spirits around a resurrected Christ. So what they see is a stranger who offers kind of irritating advice. They've been fishing all day, these disciples who are now going back to their nets. They've been fishing all day, and they haven't caught anything. And so this stranger that they do not know calls out from the beach, Have you caught anything? Well, that's an irritating question. No, we haven't caught a thing. And then he goes on to be even more irritating. Well, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll catch something. Well, they don't even know this guy, and they're the fishermen. They don't know what expertise he might have. I can just imagine how peeved they must have been, but somehow they threw their net on the other side, and they caught so many fish they could hardly haul the net in. And in that moment, one of them at least believed. He dove in the water and swam to the beach, and by the time the other disciples bring the boat in with their enormous catch of fish, There's already a charcoal fire on the beach, and the stranger that they now see as Jesus is sitting with Peter having breakfast. So the disciples join him, and in the eating of the fish and the sharing of the bread there on the charcoal fire, they come to see him as Jesus. Once again, his words bring them back from the brink of going back to their own lives, and in the ritual of sharing food, They are saved from going back to their former lives. And Jesus heals Peter's 
denial by allowing Peter the opportunity to speak three times that he loves Jesus. In all of this, they were headed back to their former lives, but then they met Jesus and everything changed. Think about all the people whose lives are changed by seeing Jesus, not because they're so smart, not because they're so agile, not because they're so creative and talented. No, all these people that we hear these stories of, they had planned to go back to their former lives. They had no intention of becoming evangelists, no intention of spreading the good news of Jesus. He died. He rose from the dead. They're just not sure it even happened. And as the events begin to unfold in the days after resurrection, it becomes less and less a thing that is real. Did he really rise from the dead? Did we really see an empty tomb? And it isn't until they come face to face with Christ that their lives change. And look how much they change. The women go out and tell everyone they meet that they have seen the resurrected Lord. The men from Emmaus go back in the middle of the night to tell the disciples that they have seen the Lord. The disciples who are there on the beach out in their boats casting their nets to fish as they always have, now their lives are changed and the prediction that Jesus made, someday I will make you fishers of men, begins to come true. And in the book of Acts, we see unfolded before us what was that first century church like? It was full of people who had been touched by the resurrection and sent out in changed lives. No, they would have gone back to isolation. They would have gone back to sequestered, locked doors. They would have gone back to their hometowns. They would have gone back to their normal professions. But everything changed. I can only imagine how easy it would be to adapt this to our present situation when we are all sequestered behind locked doors figuratively and literally, how we're not sure what the future will be, and how we're looking forward to things returning to quote-unquote normal, when if we use our brains and we use our spirits, we can be pretty sure we're not going to ever return to things as normal. We have learned something. We have learned through these moments of being sequestered and being isolated that things before all this happened weren't as great as we might have imagined. The differences between rich and poor have been brought into stark contrast as we begin to discover that poor communities are more adversely affected by this pandemic than anyone else. Why? Because they live in poverty, because they don't have access to good health care. The list is long. And all of those conditions existed long before the pandemic. So where will we go when we finally have our doors opened? Where will we go as a community, as a nation, as a world, after we're freed up to leave these isolated rooms that we've been in for these months? And will it be exactly the same? No, probably not. Our awareness has now been raised. Our consciousness has been changed. We're looking at the world in a different way, and one can only hope that our going forward will be affected by the love we have felt for one another, by the loss we have felt 
for one another, by the isolation from one another. All of a sudden, things that were simple before now become dear to us, a chance to shake a hand, a chance to offer an embrace, a chance to gather in worship or in community of any kind, a chance to reach out and help our neighbors whose stark contrast of poverty has been brought into the light by what we have all been through together. So I ask you, aren't there some similarities to where we are now? to those post-resurrection stories where men and women had changed lives, even though they didn't choose to have those lives changed. The presence of the love of Christ in their lives made all that difference. I wonder if going forward from this pandemic, if walking out of our closed and locked rooms, if coming together after a time apart, some of us living in fear, if all of that will allow us to express the love of God to one another. Let's pray. Lord, no one wanted to go through this pandemic, and no one wants to keep going through it. The stark reality of the changes, the differences between communities of wealth and communities of poverty have never been clearer. Our difficulty in wanting things to go back to normal when there's a piece of us that truly understands they never will be normal again. Those of us who are aching to simply get the touch of another human being, all of these things should guide us. All of these things should direct us. And as Christians, as people of faith, surely the love of God should teach us that no matter what comes our way in the future, no matter what the days ahead will bring, no matter what the new normal may look like, the basic principles of loving one another of being kind to one another, of serving one another, of offering a helping hand to one another, will still reign supreme. Lord, help us as we come out of this post-resurrection time and are freed to be together again. Help us to truly be the Christian, the Christian community of faith, the community of people who love and support one another. In the name of this great God of us all, we pray. Amen. Now we've come to the end of another podcast, and now I hope that each of us has begun to understand that since Holy Week has now passed and Easter celebration has taken place, we need to set into the reality of where we're headed next. It may be days, weeks, months until we all gather together. 
It may be never quite the same as it was before. And yet, the wonderful love of Christ will be there waiting for us, no matter what it looks like. Fear not, my friends. For as Jesus said to those who were leaving the tomb, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, as I offer this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. My friends, the service here is ended. May we go in peace. Amen.